Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. This is the Blue Moon Podcast. Coming up, we've got all the news and views from Manchester City's week. Get involved with the debate by tweeting at Blue Moon Podcast and check out exclusive interviews on bluemoonpodcast.com. It's your club and this is your show. Wakey, wakey, rise and shine. The international break's over and it's back to domestic action for Manchester City. And welcome to this week's Blue Moon podcast where we're blowing off the cobwebs to look ahead to City's next two matches. It's an Etihad return for Joe Hart as Burnley make the short trip down the M66 in the Premier League. And then Pep Guardiola takes his side to Ukraine for the Champions League tie with Shakhtar Donetsk. Also on today's show, we'll hear the second part of our exclusive interview with former striker David White as he talks about some of the highlights of his City career. While Howard Hawkins taking on those who shout about big clubs and small all clubs will be taking your questions in Ask the Panel too, so get them sent in for next time out. Tweet at Blue Moon Podcast or send us an email through the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. I'm your host for this week, David Mooney, and I'm joined in the studio by two City fans, starting off with Kieran Clark. All right. And making his Blue Moon Podcast debut, Chris Higginbottom. I hope you're right. You both well? I'm Very buzz- well. Buzzing. Oh, you were going to say, say something else. I was going to yeah. say buzzing my tits off, yeah. Well, you said it now anyway, so. All right, yeah, we're, we're there. <laughs> um, You've made me blush. <laughs> well, we're starting off with uh, with previewing the game uh, with Burnley this weekend. Um, I mean, let's. I'll be honest with you. I didn't expect to be going into this one top of the table. Um, coming away from Anfield top of the league and, and being unbeaten, it kind of there's kind of should be a bit of added confidence now because of that. Yeah, but because of the missed penalty, it puts it in context, doesn't it? Sorry to bring us immediately oh, down. Thanks for that. Yeah, but no, well, well, it just. It, it, I, I, we, we've got a lot to be positive about and I think the international break came at just the right time for us. It wouldn't have done if, if we'd lost that game. Though. Yeah, if, it, yeah, if we'd have lost that game. But do you know what? After the first 15 minutes, it didn't seem like we were ever in doubt. We could, we completely controlled that game from start after, to finish. Yeah, after, after Liverpool. Liverpool tried it really early on and then... Yeah, didn't which re- they always yeah. do. And normally we are... We seem really mentally incapable of handling the first 10, 15 minutes at Anfield. Yeah, we weathered the storm. I think the best thing about that game, well, certainly for me, is that Pep showed that he's willing to change if, if need be. But be he didn't pragmatic. change, did he? Well, that's, he, that's he, he kind thing. of did. He I, did. Think, I think he changed. Yeah, I agree with you. He, he, he changed in so much as he didn't. He, the game wasn't as open as normal. But well, precisely. We weren't as gung-ho. We were sort of more... I think he respects Liverpool a lot. But the, print, the principles were the same. No, the the wingers were sat like Sterling and Maras were sat far deeper, and they were doing a lot more work in field than they normally do. I yeah. think it changed a lot. I thought there were times in the final. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, know. I think there were times in the final third where normally our instincts would be to to make a, an overlapping run to probe to cut inside, and we were quite happy for them to come out to us. It's like, well, no, we're not going to do that. You're at home. You, uh, you know. You you try and dictate it, and we'll see what we'll see what happens that way. Just looking at the, at the wider picture, then how how do you think City are doing at the start of this season? Obviously, it was it was an early Premier League start. They had the World Cup, and you know there's there's a lot of tiredness in the legs because they sent more players than anybody else there. Mm. But you know we're, we're we're going into this game now, top of the table, and still unbeaten. So, in terms of performances, how do you think it's been? I think they look very very good. Um, 
I believe the stats bear that out in terms of looking better at this stage of the season than last. I know we're playing different teams, but absolutely no no complaints. Very confident. Um, it's a weird feeling to be continually confident about City, but that's that's how I feel. Um, much was made of Liverpool being top of the league for a while by the fawning press, the adoring hordes. The... Would you say there's an agenda? <sighs> Let's not go there. <laughs> I ignore questions about this every week on the Twitter feed. Let's not go there. You've certainly got one, but... Uh... <laughs> But yeah, whether that's mirrored elsewhere, uh, well, let's wait and see. I think considering that we've, you know, we've played Wolves away, um, and obviously Liverpool away, you know, two points there, it's not really to be sniffed at. I know we're a lot better side than going, oh yeah, you know, a point away is a good result. But I mean, I think we're looking at both of those that they're not bad results. And considering the thing, the thing well, we is, missed a penalty at Liverpool, Wolves scored a, that's what I mean. It wasn't a cross offside. Or? It was a complete. It was a complete penalty as well for David Silva. In the Wolves game as well, a complete penalty, a complete penalty. <laughs> Rather <laughs> it than was, it was a hundred, hundred and ten percent complete penalty. Right, okay, that's yeah. extra complete. Because mm. <laughs> uh, last time I was on, I actually said that, and then Kieran went, oh, "It wasn't a penalty for me." He was being contrarian. It's, it's yeah, it's that's it it's is, his yeah. thing. Yeah, no, it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I said not a little bit of concern though when you look at the number of chances that City have been missing this season. Is that not reflective on how many chances we create, though? I mean, I'm not. If we create, if we create, it's, I, it's not. It's not for me to. To I, I'm just. I'm playing devil's advocate. That's that's. Well, all yeah, I'm you're batting it across, and I'm knocking it back at you. I, <laughs> we're we're creating a lot of chances. Is there a problem with that? Yes, if you miss all of them, but we're winning. We're winning most of our games. We're getting. We're probably. I hope looking like we're just getting getting stronger, getting into our stride. These international breaks. Really don't do a lot for me. Um, it's just one of those, isn't it? You're sitting on your hands thinking, oh, don't get injured. Uh, good to see Sterling do really well. But again, with that comes interest from elsewhere. It's a bit of a poison chalice. I just want us to, to crack yeah, on. Yeah, no, but that. everyone knows Sterling's a good player, don't they? It's no, they like, don't. They yeah. don't. Yeah, no, but I mean, if if you're talking about like Real Madrid being interested, I think they know he's a good player. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that is a a good barometer. But um, wasn't wasn't the genuinely like it looked like a parody analysis in one of the papers that uh, they spent the majority of the uh, of the ma- of the report about uh, Sterling scoring twice talking about how poorly he'd uh, he was in the warm up. And how many shots he'd missed in the warm-up. He did have a poor warm-up, to be fair. <laughs> that just, I mean, when you talk about you talk about agenda, I don't know, with Sterling... The, the, Sterling, there is a clear... It's weird, and that brings me to Burnley, actually. Um, well, it, it all kind of comes around, doesn't it? Because Burnley is one of the... When we when City have gone away to Burnley, he gets mm. absolutely hounded there. They seem, and they, he gets hounded from the away end at the Etihad as well. And It's hard, isn't it? Well... Burnley seemed extra offended that he left Liverpool. I can't quite put my finger on what that would be. <laughs> I think we know. Yeah, we know what it is, but you can't really say it, can you? Well, I don't you know. can say it if you want. Yeah, it's just racism, isn't it? There we go. You said it's it. It's just. Uh, but I mean, no, I've said it before. But it's just like what? But you're generalising that whole Burnley fan base is racist when they're not. It's, yeah, I know. The, yeah, I know what you mean. It's, um, it becomes hard to see as a minority when you can hear it from the stands, exactly, like a clamour. I mean, yeah. it, 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 it also becomes hard to, to classify as a minority when it's happening from the away end at the Etihad. Because yeah. when you consider the number of Burnley fans that you've got inside Turf Moor, it could be a minority of them. But when it's like if there's I don't know two and a half thousand, three thousand in the away end, 
you and you can hear them inside a fifty-five thousand seat stadium. It's you know it, it it's a different thing, isn't it? It's hard to ignore. It's just when you actually speak to these people, like it, it was like even it was noticeable throughout the summer in the World Cup, like the amount of people that you'd overhear in pubs or when you're watching games around at mates' houses and there's like random people there and they're like, "Get him oh, off! Oh, I Get ate, him off!" I ate Sterling, and and you're like, "Why quantify it?" Oh, he's a knobhead. And then you go, well, quantify why he's a knobhead. Oh, and he can't... bought that house, didn't he? Yeah, yeah that and was for his mum. And it's just, yeah. it's just, it's absolutely baffling. And the one, I mean, the, the, the argument I had throughout the summer was was every, every time, I mean, I don't understand how Southgate didn't spot this, but every time he took Sterling off, England yeah, looked got a weaker worse. side. Yeah. yeah. And his, his, his main tactic seemed to be take Sterling off and then bring Deer on. Or Dyer or whatever, however you pronounce it, <laughs> and it wasn't, uh, and it just never worked. It never worked, and that's it. He, it, he improves it, the team. He makes runs. He does things that people don't seem to appreciate, and he'll be making runs that he makes for City, where he'll expect, rightly so, to receive the ball. He does it, it for England. Yeah. He ends up sort of drifting into an offside position, and people are like, "What's he doing there?" It's like, "Well, if he made a run like five seconds ago, which nobody picked up on, including the defence, if you give him the ball." He's away. Yeah, he might. He might have got in behind. Yeah, I, I mean, on that front, how, how did it feel to see him score against uh, Spain? Well, twice. Absolutely delighted for him, and just it was an emphatic finish as well. The first yeah. one, wasn't it? It wasn't like, uh, oh, he's just gonna. Like... I love, I love them finishes. Yeah, it, yeah. It, it, it reminded me of the, uh, you know, you know the the way that Michael Owen finished off that chance against Argentina. Argentina. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just um, like you kind of you're going away from goal, but you're cutting. A, and as it leaves his foot, you're thinking, where's that going? And it absolutely smashed into the net, yeah. didn't it? And the best view is from the other side where De Gea knows he's been done. It just Well, he generally does if it's not straight <laughs> <out>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't I didn't want to get into this, but yeah, all right, yeah, fair enough. Well, let's talk about a good goalkeeper, Joe Hart's coming back. Well I was yeah, I, I mean I was gonna I was gonna talk about this because ultimately, um, I, I was really sad when Joe Hart left. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of City fans would agree with me on that front. But you can't look back at it now as the wrong decision. It, it wasn't the wrong... Well, it was the wrong decision it, for that season. It was the wrong decision to bring Bravo in. It was the wrong... Yeah, like Hart went at the right time. But, you know, at, at the same time, I wasn't ready for him to go. Uh, you know, I absolutely love the bloke. And, you know, you talk about the amount that somebody gives back to the fans. We were we were in a period under Pellegrini where we didn't have that much of a connection with a lot of the players at the time. And he was one that actually properly gave a toss. And City was standing still as well. Yeah. Um so it it was uh, it was hard to see him go, but it, it it was the right decision and you see like Edison the way that he's transformed us. But um I'll I'll always uh I'll always love uh, Charles Joe Hart. I mean, he's going to have a blinder on uh, oh. in, in, in this weekend, isn't he? Oh it? yeah, don't don't don't. I, ne- I, ne- I never wanted him to come back and play because you know he'll just have one of them Dortmund or Barcelona games yeah. against us, won't he? And the thing is, as well, City will be going. Well, we'll just shoot hard to his left, and it'll go in, and it just he'll save everything, everything. <laughs> well, we're quite aware that he he does have that in him. You know, he's quite capable of pulling off a world class performance and keeping us out all game. Hopefully, he won't. But, yeah, but uh, I think it'll just hurt more than like say the likes of where Stickellenberg randomly turns up and has a worldie or Fraser Foster plays once. I, I good love, in his own I, life. I love your. He's got one. We're talking about agendas. He's got a, a, his thing is uh, Fraser Foster. I've no, n- oh, never I, seen anybody I hate one man. So I hate much. that pan-handed <laughs> prick. I hate him. <laughs> never seen anybody hate somebody <laughs> as much as he hates Fraser Foster. What's it? What's it? What's he done to you? He had a good just, game against City once. No, it, 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 he turn up. At, he turn up, and he'd be absolutely just 
awful all year. And then he'd turn up with his big massive shovel frying pan hands and just save everything out. <laughs> well, I do have a bit of a vendetta against Steve Cherry for that. I don't know if you remember, uh, I remember Notts Cherry. County. Well, no, should you? Uh, <laughs> but we played Notts County in the FA Cup, and it's one of those games where we absolutely, it was like a siege. It was like the Alamo. And that guy just defied physics, uh, <laughs> biology, all the, all the sciences. Uh, and just uh, somehow they, they did us and it was all down to him. And yeah, you, I, know, I know you mean with goalkeepers like that, but... At least you beat him on the way to winning the FA Cup in 2011, though. Correct. And I, but I remember the Stick Ellenberg one where there were two penalty saves. Oh, there was one of the Bruyne, yeah. World um, is from De Bruyne. Just everything oh. and, yeah, incredible. But I, that's that's what to expect from Joe Hart, isn't mm, it? It is, yeah. Talking of Burnley, have you seen their badge? I didn't. Have you considered their their badge? No, what the is crest? it? It's it's Cons- weird. Considered. Well, look. <laughs> if you right, take the time to have a right, look at it, I've got a, got a picture of it here. Looks right? like it's made a bit out of Lego. Well, the Lego thing. What is that? There's like a triangular <laughs> Lego step thing, which basically looks like an Inca pyramid. Um, at the top of that, you've got a hand. There's two bees, one on each side of the hand. Why have they got bees on the badge and we haven't? Like, what's going on there? The two bees. On the top of that, you've got what apparently is a stalk. And I'm no expert ornithologist, but that is not <laughs> a stalk. If, 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 it's if, got a, an egg stuck to its if, foot. If, right. If I, if I, if I needed to ask anyone there. a question about birds, I would ring you straight away saying you're not an expert on ornithology, by the way. That'd be modest, but you know. <laughs> But it, that is not a stalk. It's got an egg stuck to its foot. It's got, what, feathers in its mouth. There's a lion on there. There's two diamonds. There's an Inca temple and an open <laughs> hand and two bees. What? What is going on there? I don't know. It sounds I like an 80s know. music video, the way that you've described it. It's just a monstrous collage. Like, I don't understand it. But at least City have got rid of the stars that they put on to make look continental. Yeah, that was Yeah, but I, so, who doesn't love the parrot, though? <laughs> getting back to some sort of sense uh, for this show. Sorry, yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, but what I mean, it's always hard to say going into into some games where you say, "Well, this one should be a formality." But Burnley haven't been great this season, so it should be a formality, should. But yet they they randomly beat one of the form teams in the league, didn't they? Battered, battered Bournemouth, didn't they? So it's not a formality. No. Um, I think, even though obviously, what age is he now? 32, 32 something like that. Aaron Lennon, he he used to always have good games against us. It won't surprise me if he. He was up against Silvino. Yeah, that was one time, but I mean, he always had good games against that. That that was a particularly good game, um, but yeah, it, I, it it should be it should be a procession. I'll um, be horrified if we don't win that game. But it's a home game as well, so you, that's again for for City. You kind of go well. Generally, they win the home games. So what what I, what worries me is more the um, they can do what Newcastle did against us, like they, kill they, kill the game first. That, that that's what I mean. Yeah, I I reckon they. They've got that kind of um, anti-football in them. And as good as Joe Hart has, has been at times this season, because he's, he's put in some great performances for Burnley already this season, he, uh, to be fair to him, looks like he's regained the form he was showing at City pre-dip of form that saw him, uh, saw him ousted. Um, they still only have one clean sheet in seven, Burnley. So, I mean... It suggests there's def- there's weaknesses in the defence ahead of Hart if he's been great anyway. Mm. And you look at what City are built for; they're built for exploiting those sorts of weaknesses. And they were kind of built on a strong defence, weren't they? Uh, when they were for last last season, they were great. Yeah, yeah but they were, they were a statistical anomaly last year in the fact that they faced way more shots um, than they should. Like if you conceded in that many shots, you should have conceded, conceded more goals. That, yeah a lot more goals. But 
um, the way that they... So they're yeah. buying a new keeper. Yeah. And they're, and it's not, now they're conceding and, more goals. And now they're not sevenths, yeah. Mm. <laughs> That's football, folks. <laughs> <laughs> um, looking at City's, uh, City's forward line, um, I, I mean... I think they've looked best this season with uh, Sane, Sterling and Aguero as the front three. Can you see any reason for Guardiola not picking that as, as his front three? I think Sterling and Aguero are his first two names on the team sheet this season. Um, Sane, maybe not. He might he might try and get Riaz's groove back. At, R- Riaz. Riaz. Riaz there Riyad, <laughs> R- yeah, Riyad's uh, groove back, considering uh, what happened, or he might just try and take him out of the limelight completely. I think that's uh, quite a big one, but... Uh, Sane missed a couple of big chances at the weekend during the international break as well, so he's not exactly. But he got uh, he got blamed for the Germany performance off half an hour. So uh, well, it, I think I think again that's um, very there's strange. issues there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure what's going on there. A, a lot of people are quick to um, chastise Sane and his form. People want everything now, don't they? These days, and uh, it's easy to we've touched upon it before, but it's easy to ignore the off the field things. Is girlfriend was having a baby psychological elements at play that perhaps we're not appreciating and you know the season isn't that old give him a you know give him some give games him a chance. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah he's one of those where he needs to get into a flow um when he does he's one of the he's one of the best players to watch that i've seen in years the way he, he, yeah he's he one moves of- is an absolute He's he's one he's one of like three or four of our players that I just think you look at them every now and again and you kind of get lost when you're watching them during a match and you just think you've got potential to win the Ballon d'Or you like you know he he genuinely has got that in him yeah he's gonna he's gonna beat like eight players one day isn't he and absolutely rifle into the roof mm-hmm. and he's certainly got it in him yeah he's got such like grace and poise he's practically dancing he glides, he glides doesn't he, he does and yeah he's Ger- why was he not on the penalty he's German <laughs> well I mean that's true. Look, uh, the other player that was that could have been on the penalty was Jesus, and I actually thought he, that the get the performance he did oh. off the bench at Anfield—that's uh, the, the, the best he's played best in a while. Played in a long time. That little moment by the, on the touchline where he just wriggled free, megged, jinxed inside, absolutely got an arm in the face. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah, I don't think that was a definitely not a penalty that for me, but it was absolutely. You're nine foot two, so you, you back people off like that all the time. <laughs> absolutely, I'm a so. gentleman footballer. <laughs> <laughs> You're forgetting we have both played football with you. I face yeah. shots from you, and they, and they, they hurt. You know, they, they they really hurt. They're supposed to go in. Get out of the way. Um, Do it a hair on him. <laughs> I mean, but looking at Jesus, could he could he be in line for a start? Given given how he he played there, uh, I think yes, and certainly because of the um, because of what uh, what games we've got coming up. Um, so potentially he, he he could go two up front. Um, we could, yeah, yeah, because it, it is it is a game where you could experiment a bit, and um, where he did he does that thing where he just he could just decides have, not to play right fullback. Yeah, yeah that, that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> Mendy up the left, or or vice versa, he could just play Walker and just have the left hand side free, just do something mad like that. Yeah. Um, final point for for this game before we move on. Uh, Kevin De Bruyne targeted this game to be uh, to be back in. Um, the noises at the moment we don't because obviously we're recording this before Guardiola has done his press conference, so we don't know if mm. he's if he's going to be available or not. What what would your hunch be if he, uh, if, he is, if he is available? I'd say twenty minutes at the end. Yeah, because you look at I mean Jack was saying on last week's show it, it this week is kind of the wrong way round for him because you'd want minutes in the legs ahead of the you know the tough game at Spurs, but then you know do you want to risk him against Shakhtar or? You know, you got the the burn. The game would be an ideal game to get him some minutes in, but it's the it's you know. You I, see I, what see, I mean? See, I, I mm. think twenty minutes a 
you know, may you know, maybe an hour against Shakhtar then full game for Spurs would be ideal. Um, but we know football doesn't work like that. Yeah. Right. Well, we'll uh, we'll come on to the predictions for the Burnley game a bit later on. Uh, but first up on last week's show, we heard an honest and heartfelt interview with former City forward David White, where he talked about the abuse he suffered as a child at the hands of Barry Bennell. This week, we're going to hear the second part, where he talks about some of his on-the-field highlights of his time at Main Road. I suppose the games people talk to me about are the the, the ten-one and the two-five-one. So, yeah. Um, well, let's get rid, get rid of the five-one first because. Um, I'm, I'm forever arguing with Blues about this, but to to me, you know, it was the five one was was just it was a it was a great day. We were we were just brilliant on the day. Everything came off for us. It was, uh, but I suppose my typical half, you know, glass half full in terms of football would say you know, Brian Robson didn't play that day, and and uh, Steve Bruce didn't play that day, and and it and things would. I think I'm sure would have been very different, but as it, you know, they, they weren't playing, and we were, we were just brilliant on that day. We, we were excellent, and to be part of, I think, we you know that should have been celebrated for six months. It should, you know, we should have had a good fun for a week or two, and then celebrate for six months, and then, but we, we unfortunately we needed to live off that game for far far too long, which is I, I find pretty embarrassing when when I look at the, uh, you know, my record in Manchester derbies. It's Embarrassing, to, you know, to be totally honest with you, and they, and they, I think that probably sums me me up in terms of. How, how, but it just felt, it just felt like you're going to get turned over every. You felt inferior. That's how that's how I felt, and I think that probably came over on the pitch. Um, we had some great, you know, a couple more really good dabs. I scored two in a three all, and then we, I think Quinny got a couple, and we got beat. We were, got beat three two, but. Yeah, and, and to be part of the the Andy Inchley's goal was was brilliant because that, that I think that is possibly one of the best goals that, that, that was ever scored at Main Road, and uh, and obviously people say to me that's the best cross I ever saw at Main Road, and that's brilliant. It, it's it, you know it's fantastic when people say that, um, but you know we did dine off it for far too long. We we um, I didn't, but I think the club did, and uh, I think within a few weeks we we were we got beat six 0 at Derby and. Uh, the manager lost his job, and um, so there you go. the The ten one again. Again, I'd have to start by saying they were crap. Um, it was a you know it was a sort of level two game, and, and uh, Malcolm McDonald was was the manager. But it, it it was just a day again where everything came off. And and the fact of the matter is that you know that that game is thirty one years ago, and no no team in English league has scored ten goals since. And in fact, there's only two. There's only two teams have done it in the last fifty years. And ironically, the the other one was only a few weeks before. I think it was Gillingham scored ten. So you know, I can, I can, I can still die off that. I mean, you know, on the the last person to score ten goals in in English top top class football, which is great to score the tenth goal, um, which is great to be able to say that. And we were great that day. And so I think. I think that stands up in his own right. There's plenty of times Premier League clubs have played against third division teams and not managed to score ten goals. It, it, you know, it just doesn't happen. So to do it um, in a in a game that was, in, as I say, was in the the sort of second tier of, foot, of, of of English football, you know, very you know, still a high standard. To do it at home, and and again to to have three players to score hat tricks, and we've the three of us have been back together a couple of times. So it was great that Huddersfield. Are, Back in the uh, back in the top league now because it means 
me, Paul, and Tony can uh, have a couple of beers together. So that's uh, that's always a nice one. So that was great, for, you know. So we'll we'll have that one. Um, who who got the match ball at the moment? Because this was back in the day where you didn't have the old multi ball system. Well, no, we didn't. We we literally back then. I mean, if you, if I could talk forever about the change, the differences in football back then, but uh, it wasn't multi ball. But we we used to have um, there was a bag of balls that just sat sat in the um, let's call it the drying room. Um, we didn't touch them through the week. There was about six balls, they were the, and they were the kicking in balls. So they they were the match balls, kicking in balls. So uh, we'd we'd have three, they'd have three, and the, and the ref would literally have a feel through those balls before before a game and said, "Right, this one will do," and we'll play. And, and as you say, we those balls would then come back in. We'd have one match ball and one. I think we'd have one spare because every now and again someone would do one up on up on the uh, top of the kickouts, which actually happened that day. So. Um, so I think I'm pretty sure we used two on the day. Uh, the other complication is that season, the man of the match got the match ball every, every game. Um, so the man of the match was awarded the match ball. The man of the match was Paul Paul Simpson. So three of us scored hat tricks, but Paul Simpson was amazing on that day. It was absolutely and, and Andy Inchcliffe, the two of them were down that left hand side. So I, I hardly touched the ball. I mean, first half I, I I got a goal very late on in the first half from about a yard. I'd hardly touched it. They, not because I was playing badly, just everything was going down that side. They were poor down that side, um, Huddersfield, and, and, and the two lads there, Simo and, and Inchi, were just amazing. And um, so, yeah, the, we, we got to the end of the game. We'd already two actually scorers. I got the ninth and tenth. Um, and I, I, yeah, I remember we, I think Bernard Alford was, he, he, I think that's when his hair started falling out because. I think it, back then the balls were 30, 40 quid a pop and he literally, he'd already given one, one each of the three of us and then he had to go and get another one for Simo. So none of us know which of the two balls that were actually used during the game, but for, as far as I know, four of us got balls. But then I've, I've heard other stories where people said, oh, I've got a ball from that game as well. I know where, um, I, know there's a, I know Mark McCarthy's collecting a few of them. He certainly, uh, he's got mine, so... Uh, because literally, you know, mine was sat in a plastic bag for 25 years. You, you know, it's uh, never displayed anywhere. Three, I had three actual balls that, that were literally sat in plastic bags. It's, well, sat in the same plastic bag. I used to carry them from house to house when I moved. And in the end, I thought, look, there's people who, who would, would look after these better and display them better. So they've gone, they've gone at better homes. So, yeah, the 10-1. And, per, and personally for me, the 5-1 the, the at Villa... Um, was was just the day you know that that is the day where when I, I refer to the inconsistency and everything that is the day where that's the player I should have been and and you know there there are plenty of the real top players out there who had those days regular and if you talk about the you know the best player in the world the best players in the world are having those games every two or three weeks aren't they so um, and that yeah it, again it was just a day when. Everything came off, I think, for most of the team, but particularly for me, we just, you know, I think uh, left foot first very early on in the game. Uh, Paul McGrath was playing, great player, Paul McGrath, but was playing sort of, kind of shielding the, the, the central defenders. He wasn't playing at the back. Very early on, I'd scored two goals, um, at which point uh, Venglos, who was the manager, put Paul McGrath back to mark me. And then, to be honest, I, I was very, very quiet for a, you know, 
Villa came back in the game. I think they uh, missed missed a penalty or which I can't remember how they, how it went. I then got free on the right cross for Mark Brennan. Uh, in the second half, he, he scored, and then they were chasing the game. They got one back. I think I think David Platt scored, and uh, they chased the game. And Paul McGrath went back into midfield, and I got two more goals. And and the the real sort of pride that day was my, my third goal, which. It may or may not. It was certainly. A, I scored my fiftieth goal for the club that day, um, and I, I suspect I think it was the third goal. Um, and I think just that goal summed up all the hard work I'd done as a kid. Because I, I literally would spend hours and hours just taking shots against. We had like a side of a garage door in in the the front front garden, and I had this kind of drive that kept wrapped round, and and we had the. Um, it's actually attached to the next door's house, our garage because uh, my dad owned the house next door as well and at some point it took this garage off the guy and uh, and I, and that was my goal and that was my target and I just used to hit it and hit it and hit it and as I looked up you know Quinny played the ball and I had a touch and I looked up and I, and, and I said the goal the goal could have been 100 yards wide it, I just knew what was going to happen because and, that, and that's when they say about we have practice just making but when you get yourself in that mindset where you've done all that hard work and your mind's right as well that's what makes the difference, and that's when I got back to because my mind, my I've done all the hard work, did all of that when I was a kid, did all the, the the you know the tough yards, and but my mind was never right, and yet that day my mind was absolutely bob on it, and, I, and I, I often speak about it now, and I, I may as well have literally just bent down, picked the ball up, and just said to the ref, I would have scored because I just knew, I just knew exactly what was going to happen. I knew where it was going. I didn't. I didn't know that it was going to make that beautiful stanchion noise. But <laughs> I even got that too. And, and so that was just the perfect moment. And that's what I always refer back to when I when I think about God. If your if your mind was at that place more often, it, things would have been things would have been very different. But I'm still proud of what you know. I'm still proud of the fact that I'm. It breaks my heart. It absolutely breaks my heart. I didn't score 100 goals for City. You know, I, I went on 96. I can't believe, I can't, still can't believe I did that. But I did that. And that kind of sums up where I was and where I felt the club was at the time for me to choose to walk away because I didn't have to. Um, on 96 goals, I, 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 it staggers me now. It absolutely staggers me that I did that. Because I think to have 100 goals after your name uh, is... Is a lot different to having ninety six goals after your game, after your name. Sorry. Um, so obviously, you know, still in many ways very, very proud of my career. But you know, I'd have been a lot prouder of the one that I should have had. I think. For a pledge of two dollars a month, you can hear our weekly bonus show on a wide range of city topics. There's more details on patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. David White talking to me there about his time on the pitch with City. Uh, if you want to pick up a copy of his book, you can get him on Twitter at David underscore White 7. Uh, you can also email David at saveassociation.com. And the full interview uh, with David White will be on our Patreon page for uh, for all backers. That's patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. And then looking at a little bit further ahead, uh, Tuesday evening sees City go to Shakhtar in the Champions League. Um, it's a bit of a tough one to call this because of, of where City are in the group at the moment. They uh, obviously won one, uh, lost one. Um, and, and Shakhtar were tough to break down last season. But again, the away game, it was dead rubber. So uh, what, what are your feelings ahead of this one? 
It is hard to know what to make of it because um, they've uh, they've clearly got a you know a very talented manager. There's something about them, isn't there? Yeah. Well, it, it it must be the manager because Fred looked really good last year, didn't he? So <laughs> you think, what well, you know? Well, wonder what he's up to now. Um, but yeah, yeah. In the second in the second game, like Fo- I'm sure Foden Foden's, started. Foden started like yeah. left wing back. Yeah, it was uh, it was a very uh, very bizarre game. Um, it's ahead of the derby, wasn't it? Th- so. That that was a game that we lost in the middle of that um, twenty games winning in a row, wasn't it? It, it broke yeah. the run, and everyone was going, "Oh, they've broken the run." It's like, yeah, but have you seen the team they put out? It's no, like, no, but, no, but the run wasn't broken because it carried on, didn't it? What do you mean? No, because the run was broken in the Champions League, but then it well, was yeah, like, yeah, it, it yeah. was the old competitions. Run yeah, that, and, uh, yeah, and yeah, uh, and and the Wolves won counted, even though we technically drew nil nil. It was <laughs> it was one of the. <laughs> Let's not open that yeah, can of worms on, again. Yeah. Um, you look at. Uh, uh, Shakhtar's performances this season um, they've drawn two they, they twice came from behind against Hoffenheim and they put they a two goal lead slip against Lyon they're there to be got at aren't they? Yeah they're no mugs but I don't know I find it a bit of a, an uninspiring game to be honest Shakhtar it's like it's one you just want to get out of the way isn't it uh, unfortunately the, it's we're a double in, header as well which yeah, is Yeah we're in a bit idea. of a that invidious position of not you know of losing the Lyon game We've got to be mean, haven't we? We've got to be ruthless in that game and just put it to bed. No daft starts, no. Uh, no going one nil down after twenty-two seconds. Yeah, that's that's uh, uh, not <laughs> not on the cards. Hopefully, but I, I don't know. I can't see it being a particularly good game. I, I think it's a game we're going to win. I think I, I can just see it being methodical yeah. and efficient. Yeah. It's. I mean. Is it an inconvenience? And what I mean by that, you factor in the distance, the the, the conditions, and you know the, the the week it's in. Because Burnley, like we were talking about before, it should be a formality, but will be a tough game. You got Spurs the following weekend, and then there's, there's that mad week where they've got to play Fulham and well, Southampton the, the, games of moot. So it's yeah, like, I think it's more that it's more the you know Spurs being absolute tits with the stadium. That that's just balls everything on planet. It's just are we even going to be able to play that? Um, well, it's, a, it's a Wembley on the Monday night. Well, yeah. Is it definitely there? Because yeah. apparently that's apparently the pitch isn't going to be. The, oh, is, the, is that the, the latest thing? The, yeah, yeah. There's, there's there's rumours that the the pitch just from the American football game the other day is is incredibly cut up just from that. Never mind and the one, one that's played the day before. The day before. Yeah. 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 It, I mean, it, without going too deep into that, it begs belief that it's got this far. Mm. Yeah, this shocking. close to this close to the game as yeah, well. Yeah. It, um, shocking. Something should have been sorted out. But I mean, what's the knock-on effect for the Shakhtar game? then? Um, I, I just, I just think we'll be, yeah, very clinical and methodical. I, I can't see anything. Say, I just expect keep it nice and tight, and then score a couple. Leave it at that, really. Does it? Does it? Does the Spurs game and you know the potential problems with the pitch and all that sort of stuff? Does that affect Guardiola's selection? Knowing him, yeah, I think he's the kind of player that's playing like three dimensional and four dimensional chess, Guardiola, isn't he? So he's thinking about 10, 20 moves ahead. I think he's thinking about games after Christmas for his selection now, isn't he? Were you saying, do you think the pitch will affect his selection? Uh, the Spurs, the, the, the fact that the Spurs pitch could be almost unplayable, right. does that change what he does in the Champions League, the, like the six days earlier or whatever it is? Well, you're obviously asking a leading question with something in mind yourself. I don't know that it would. What do you, what do you think? No, I, I don't know. I'm I'm asking you. That's right, the thing. Okay. I'm, it's, I'm not leading you. The answer could be no. I'm not. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I'm not sure how that. I don't, would, I don't normally get this sort of interrogation. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> not really sure what to expect. I don't know how you would uh, how you how you would alter your selection for uh, a bad pitch to the game after. I mean, get the Welsh rugby team in. <laughs> 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 my hope is that um, 
you know, it gets shifted to... Just, do West Ham own their stadium? Could we not use that? Is that just, like a... just, just give us the three points. That's it. End of story. You've completely, yeah. you know, you've completely ruined everything for everyone, Tottenham. You've caught like, like, up like, having like a ground. Done, yeah, like you've done for you know anyone born before 1981. <laughs> <laughs> um, final question: away, a kind of away from Shakhtar, but but still with the Champions League. How do you feel about the competition at the moment? Yeah, I'm still not. I'd love to win it, like, but I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm still not. Not that bothered about it. Agreed. Uh, I'd I'd love to be able to sort of cajole everyone along and say, "Oh, come on, it's brilliant." I'd, but I genuinely have less sort of enthusiasm in me in terms of, "Oh, we're going to watch uh, Leon on a a wet Tuesday or whatever it was in the Champions League," or we've got an exciting League Cup draw. Do you remember what how you felt? Going to that Napoli game, the first one. Yeah, I, I was I was genuinely excited, um, because uh, like the the music the music genuinely got to you the first time, but it was uh, I think I was still thinking about beating Spurs the year before to bring it back to them. <laughs> I was still thinking about that and how important the two years of you know it coming down to us versus Spurs for two years, losing the first one and getting the second one. The Napoli game felt more because of what had gone before, not what was to come. Did we draw that game? Drew one all. One all. Yeah. Colorado free kick towards the end. Mm. Yeah, I thought that was kind of a it kind of set the tempo, didn't it? In terms of it's kind of set the whole the t- thing, <laughs> set the being a bit of a, the damp squib sort of feel of it. It's like mm, this again. I don't know. Maybe we just need a. Well, we have well, we have had good runs, but even then, I mean, I went to watch us at the New Camp, mm. and I think the thing is with it, it feels a little bit like we're not. Welcome. Some of the decisions, like that refereeing performance, well, I was, oh, I was the, Hoffen- the, the Hoffenheim throwing, the that, Hoffenheim throwing. I have, oh. I have never seen an attacking team with a throwing in that part of the pitch take it so close to where the ball's actually gone out <laughs> ever. That it is, just doesn't happen. Like, it was like, literally a matter of inches away. It's like the, what? The, what the, is the, he thinking? How do you justify that? There's a certain. There's a certain point, right? The the penalty should be the bigger decision, right? Because it was a stonewall penalty. But like you can go right, okay, yeah, he's just being a knob, or whatever. Or he's bottled that, it. Or that, what, but yeah. that 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 warrants genuine looking into further. That throwing that is appalling. Like I, I the man needs psychological help. Or, or, who me? Or investigate. <laughs> <laughs> so did I say that out loud? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. no, not you. Not you. The, the referee. It's just and some of that. Like I remember when we got beat. Was it three one at the New Camp a few years ago? Um, I'm only referencing it because it it was sort of it's kind of tangible to me because I was actually at the game, but I was in the Barca end and I was looking round at them, uh, the the fans, thinking like because some of the decisions in that game it's just ridiculous. I know you get home decisions. I know you're one of the biggest clubs in the world. You're Barcelona, you expect it, but I just thought, does this appealing to you? Like, what's where's the fun in this? Getting all the decisions and like it, I don't know, I don't know. It just ask a United one. Well, it, it, I've, I've noticed it a few times over the years as well, where we've played a lower club in a cup, and yeah, I've been happen, and I've been yeah. thinking we're getting all the decisions here. Yeah. This is ridiculous, yeah, yeah. and I don't personally like that. I'd rather, you know, what ho, Corinthian spirit, and all. I'd, I'd rather, <laughs> I, I, no, honestly, though, honestly, I'd rather it was an, would, an, an would, even playing field. I would field. love it, listeners, if you could see Higgy's face there, just as he went Corinthian spirit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> tweaked the fake moustache. If you, if you ever watched the Fast Show, it was it was really Rowley Burke in QC. I'm just, <laughs> just throwing it out there. Um, That's how I was channeling. 
Uh, bringing it uh, all around. Now, no winners on the last outing for the charity bet, which means so far this season we've raised 230 quid for the Christia Cancer Hospital in Manchester. William Hill has given each panellist a £10 correct score single on predictions, and with two chances to add to the pot this week, Burnley and Shakhtar. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll start for you, KC. What are you having for, uh, for Burnley? Uh, I'm uh, going three 0 to City. Three 0 to City. It's the first time on the charity bet that we might that will that if you win, we're not going to have a number that ends in five or or zero because it's uh, it's twenty four to five, which would bring us a forty eight quid win. Yeah, it just sounds like metric time. That it's, it? it's really it's really odd. Uh, Chris, what are you having? Well. I actually was going to say 3-0, but after KC went for it, I thought, well, I've got to go something else. So I just upped it by one and went for 4-0. 4-0 is 11-2, so 55 quid if you're right. I've gone uh, for 3-1, which is uh, 11-1, to 1, so 110 quid if I'm right. Uh, Shakhtar then, uh, Kieran, what are you having? 2-1 uh, to us. 2-1, that's 7-1, to 1, uh, which is uh, 70 quid. Chris? Well, despite my earlier comments about methodical being mean and ruthless, it's going to be an absolute goal fest and we're going to edge <laughs> it 3-2. 3-2 is 16-1. to 1. I, know, I, know, I, I know the feeling because I asked you both before I, uh, before I made my predictions on this. Mm. And when Kieran said 2-1, I thought, oh, that's what I'd have gone for. Mm. So I like yeah, you've ruined no, it for everyone once no, again. No, to be to be fair, I've nicked both of your predictions by getting in there first this time. But yeah. I I had, I had a full pretty much two years on this show of going for six one every time. Yeah, and you were never right. So. Yeah, I, no, I was never I was never right. But at least a shot for the stars. <laughs> so at least I'm taking it seriously now with guesses that people actually think will come true. That's fair play. I've gone for one nil, which is ten to one. Uh, so hundred quid if I'm right. You got to be eighteen or over to gamble. Prices can change. And for more information about responsible gambling, visit begambleaware.org. And now that everyone seems obsessed by uh, whose club is the biggest these days. Howard Hawkins got some thoughts on that. I put a spell on you. Talking about anything football-related during an international break really is drawing the short straw. And I ran out of material 10 years ago to be honest, but at least a new format of a Nations League has given us a few matches worth watching, and of course a few that weren't. Raheem Sterling ended his barren spell for England, so people will have to find something else to talk about now regarding him, and they will. I hear that recently his car has been dirty again, the man really has no shame. A lack of shame that extended to him being allowed to be clattered by Lovren against Croatia, a foul that got Liverpool supporters all giddy, the cult agreeing as one that bad fouls are acceptable when performed by a Liverpool player against an ex-Liverpool player. Still, at least Sterling didn't walk off crying like Salah did in the Champions League final. So with all that in mind, and with little to fill my time beyond the British Bake Off, the Great British Menu, Masterchef Professionals, Saturday Morning Kitchen, Nigella Lawson's new series, Jamie in Italy and reruns of Floyd in France, I've been thinking about size, a delicate subject for men. Now there's one thing that's always used against City, away from seat counting of course, a dig made with such a lack of self-awareness, you begin to wonder if it's not just a series of bots set up by Ed Woodward. Yes, it's a big team jibe of course, and the size of your club. People really seem to think it's a worthwhile debate, though thoughts do turn to talk sport, where the word debate is used sparingly. And Danny Murphy recently dismissed Newcastle as a big club, and even Paul Dickoff was on and in on the act saying City are now bigger than United. What constitutes big is of course impossible to define, we may as well debate how long a piece of string is. But nevertheless, fans who tend to have never been near their own team's ground 
seem to think it's a weapon to use against fans of a team who tend to be better and more successful than theirs. Funny that. The lack of self-awareness angle is obvious. By belittling the size of another club, you are effectively admitting that club size is something attractive to you, and thus marks you out as a classic glory hunter. No true football fan, and I include long-term local United fans in this, choose a club because of its size, be that its average attendance or revenue. No true fan chooses a club because loads of people already support it, in America, Ireland, Scandinavia, Asia and beyond. And no true fan of a successful club feels the need to mention size, because they've got nothing to be defensive about. Successful teams' fans brag about games won, trophies secured, magical moments, legendary players, not retweets and social interaction numbers for their flop of a signing playing a sodding piano. And this big club grading system seeps into every facet of club analysis. It allows questions to be raised about city sponsorship deals that fade into insignificance compared to United's, or at least they did. It allows you to consider reassessing the coefficient system to factor in previous success because some of the old big clubs don't get to bully everyone else anymore. It gets ex-players into the media, it gets ex-board members into UEFA and it keeps the power where certain clubs have orchestrated it to be, namely still with them. It thus gets rule changes to suit and everything put in place to let certain clubs grow more organically than others. You see, City won't truly have arrived until they have planted people deep within the game's ruling bodies. But hey, for a small club, City really do alright. Do you know one thing that sets apart little old City from the likes of Liverpool or Manchester United? Well, it's the fact that none of our star players have left the club demanding a transfer, engineering a move away to sunnier Spanish climes. Tevez is in it closest, but he stays nowhere for long, the littlest hobo of the footballing world. But Aguero, Company, Silva, et al. are still here and are going nowhere soon, it seems, even after all these years. They must just love little clubs. Raheem Sterling may break that trend in a couple of years, but it's astonishing to see how many of our big signings have settled here, in a place with four seasons in a day, and that was just Monday, and never stirred up trouble and forced a way out. I would have been happy to have got three years from the likes of David Silva and Sergio Aguero. To get over triple, that blows my bitter blue mind. Let's not forget that a few years ago it was widely considered laughable that a top player would choose City over their bigger neighbours United. Well, they're not laughing now. He'd have to be clinically insane to choose them over us right now. What's more, it seems strange, considering City aren't a big club, that so many Liverpool fans seem so desperate to create a rivalry with City fans. Maybe they just want to attach themselves to a club that's actually won something recently, which is fair enough. Of course, they themselves must surely win something soon, so maybe they'll calm down then. And maybe I'll win the Booker Prize and marry Margot Robbie. Anyway, the size of my club is not giving me sleepless nights, I have to admit. They weren't the biggest club in terms of size and support when I started following them almost 40 years ago, when they were average at best on the pitch and off it. So I'm hardly going to be stung by comments about their size now, when they're winning trophies. Got more fans? I'll bear that in mind the next time I watch Vincent Company lift a trophy. Think your club grew more organically? Something for me to ponder when I next watch my Centurions video again. Got that elusive history because you think history means winning things 20 years ago? I'll keep that thought in mind the next time Phil Jones vainly lollops after Sergio Aguero. So mine might not be the biggest, my club that is. 
but it's what you do with it that matters, and my club is doing quite a lot right now, so that will do for me. The rest of you can keep counting seats and living in the past. I've got some champions to watch. Hi, Colin Hendry, you're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. You're listening to the Blue Moon Podcast. You've made it this far, so don't give up now. Howard Hawking there on uh, big clubs and small clubs. Now it's time for Ask the Panel. This is the bit of the show where you send in the questions and I put them to the panel there. Uh, at Blue Moon Podcast on Twitter is the best way to do it. You can also email us, go to the website, bluemoonpodcast.com. There's a nice little form on there you can fill in. You can also check out some of our old interviews on there as well. First up is a Twitter user called Contemplative Jesus. Um, he asks, would Gundogan plus money for Frankie de Jong be a good deal for City? It doesn't really matter, does it? Because swap deals just don't happen. Well, that's that done. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I just like uh, yeah, I like being a knob. He likes torpedoing what like any plans that I've got. So. <laughs> Below the waterline, fair enough. Uh, um, Have you seen much of Dion? Yeah, I've 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 no idea um, whether it, obviously he sounds like the next best thing. But I mean, I suppose the question more is 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 it worth getting rid of Gundogan? I th- I think. Um, Jury's still out on him. I, I, no, it's not necessarily. I, I think he's a. I think he's a very good player, but he'll he'd never be one that I would want to start a big game. Yeah, I think his problem. His problem though is that in every position that he can play, there's somebody better than him. Yeah, exactly. Um, but but, you need but that doesn't make him a bad player. You no, that's what I mean. He's a very, he's a very good player, but he's he's too good to be a squad player as well, isn't he? It's an analogy I hate, you know, when people say, oh, you wouldn't want him in the trenches with you, but I wouldn't want to be in the trenches <laughs> to start with, but because um, it's just a needless waste of... Anyway... Unless uh, you're on a historical tour, nice walk. Well, uh, don't get me started on uh, the First World War. Um, cause that's, it's just, that's a different show. That's it is, it is a different, different, different show. show. But I just don't think he's the kind of guy who, um, I don't know, maybe I'll be in the trenches I'll, with you. <laughs> yes, it's funny you should say that. But like, I don't, know, I don't know. It just seems, has he got the metal? Is he? Is he, he really? The, has he got the stones? Has he got the stones? <laughs> um, I just don't know if he, he shows some. He's, a, he's one of those players who fantastic when everything's going well. But if you're up against it, you turn all down at the Bernabeu, or you know, I don't or know. At Anfield, starting out of position on the right. Yeah, yeah, he was, and, uh, he was pretty awful that day. Yeah, but is that? Uh, it wasn't really his fault. It? it wasn't really his fault, but I think that knocked that's knocked him back a fair bit. But, but he, equally, he, equally he's, he's had some serious injuries in his career. Mm. Yeah, and you were making the point earlier about um, about injuries. Well, yeah, but you know, is that we're asking? Is he the optimum choice for that position, or do you do you want him there? And it's not our fault if he's he would have been absolutely fantastic, but he had these injuries and now he's not quite as good. While it's a ruthless, yeah, I, I think sport, he's, he's he's too good to be a squad player, but he's not good enough to be in our best be, best rotating first team yeah. even. And will he want to be on the bench? Um, he he looks like he's happy enough though, doesn't he? Um, I he he looks like the type of player that will be like Tottenham's best player. Mm. You know that kind of level. You know, just just below the top tier, like a sort of Ericsson. Well, I think I think Ericsson should leave Tottenham. I think he's a lot better than them. Do you? Yeah. Right. Okay. That's interesting. Mm. <laughs> I've never really liked him. I mean, I know he's very, very good, but then again, so is Gundogan. Gundogan, and we're uh, 
Yeah. Sort of discussing what potential frailties he might have. Um, but yeah, I think I, I can't. I don't know why a player like Gundogan would bother going to Ajax. What's in it for him? It's. It, it, I, yeah, I, 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 I know. I know. Began being flippant, but that's never going to happen, is it? Swap deals don't happen, and a player like Gundogan has got no reason to go to the Dutch league. No, Ajax now are not Ajax. You know, European Cup winning Ajax mm. of back in the day, are they? Ninety-five. Paul Brock's been in touch on Twitter to ask, uh, what does Jaden Sancho's senior debut for England this week and Brahim Diaz's reluctance to sign a new contract say about the success of City's youth academy? Now, I mean, ultimately, the underlying question for this one, I mean, there's a lot of underlying questions this week, but the underlying question for this one is, there's a blockage getting to the first team. Yeah, what, I mean, define... Does... There, there, there is a blockage getting to the, the first team, but at the same time, we signed Sancho from Watford when he was 14, when he was he was the best kid his age in the country, and we signed Brahim Diaz when he was considered the next Lionel Messi, and we brought him over to the country. So it's not just like... They're not, yeah, fair enough. The academy players, but they were they There's were no brought they, they were no well they were brought in for big big money. You, you know, like obviously, you know, money in those kind of terms. It's all a bit it's all a bit murky waters, isn't it? But it's not like you know they've come through. They were scouted and they were picked. It's like we've poached them off elsewhere, and then for them to kind of get, I think you need to kind of quantify that. And I think a lot of our a lot of our fans kind of forget that when it comes to players like that. Um, you know, even Ian Acho, people consider him, you know, an academy player when he, he wasn't really. Well, he didn't was qualify it? for the UEFA B list. Exactly, of, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you say the, the academy, uh, d- define a successful academy. There's various varying grades of that, isn't there? Like, well, I was, is I was... it purely based on first team players making the grade? Or I know you can't just say. How much money they make? Yeah, but so, that is an ex- to an extent. But I was I was going to swap this one as well over the fence and just kind of ask: Is it a bad thing if City were to develop these players, sell them for a profit now, and then buy them back if they turn out to be worth buying back? Well, we do have a because um, they often put buyback clauses in. We have one with Sancho. Do we? Yeah. Are you sure? We've got first refusal. I've certainly read it. I hope it's it wouldn't true. surprise me. It's a, it's, a, it's, a t- it's a move City do. No, no, I know it's a move City do, but I, I thought the I thought he just left and went to Dortmund. I'm ninety percent sure. We, we actually Was that a proper transfer then? Or are you saying that if it, it's just a sale, we have absolutely no? That's all ties cut. No chance. No, no. What I'm what I'm suggesting is that is, is it a bad thing for the academy if they were to take someone like Pablo Maffeo, for instance, sell them on? And then, if they turn out to be a, a world class right back, and they want them later on, go back and buy him, like, like the Paul Pogba sort of thing. You know, Maffeo to me seems exactly like the Trippier situation. Like we should have brought Trippier back as a backup right back. I don't think we should have let Maffeo go. But if we do decide to bring him back as a backup, I think that's what you'll see. But that's I mean, but what I'm saying is that a bad thing? Does that does that say bad things about the about the academy, or is it saying that the academy is working because it's getting these players a, a, a career in the game? And most of them aren't going to be good enough for City's first team. Well, this is it. We've raised the, the bar that high, haven't we? That only the very best of the best are going to be our in our first team, which is testament to Phil Foden. Well, exactly. Yeah. And that's testament to the, everything that the club's doing. And it's also worth uh, considering that we're not a million miles down the road. We've only we've only you know was it ten years now since uh, since Jake Mansell yeah. came in. It's the CFA has been what it was twenty. 14, 2013, 14. Exactly. So. I mean, how long are we expecting the trees to bear fruit straight away? Let, let the thing grow. I do, I do, I do, I do see that argument. Um, but I think what a lot of fans also think about is the fact that when we were, you know, when we were struggling, we could always rely on the academy because we, 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 we were known for producing good players. Like you know, you but think- again, a lot of the players didn't didn't stay at City. 
and we were in desperate need a lot of the time. It was sort yeah. of uh, no, but I'm I'm just I'm just trying to think of think of all those names like Lee Croft, Willow Flood. You know, they they, they came through. Bradley Wright Phillips. They came through. They played ten, fifteen games. Did well enough in the first team, and City sold them on. Yeah, but Bradley Wright Phillips is now a legend in America, isn't he? Mm. I did actually just check about Sancho, and we do have first refusal. But that's according to Tribal Football. As I say, I've read it. I'm not sure it's true. Uh, <laughs> and finally, Dave Grant's been in touch on Twitter to ask, uh, should City be seriously concerned about the apparent reluctance of Raheem Sterling to sign a new contract? Have the Boo Boys made the option of playing abroad more attractive to him? So it all comes back round to Sterling in the end. I'm, I'm, I'm slightly worried, I'll be honest with you. And I'd just pay him whatever he wants. He's worth it. Which, I mean, we we published a post this week by Richard who was effectively saying the same thing. Oh, well, I, at, well then I changed my mind. <laughs> But you look at his importance to the team, like, like I was saying before, City's strongest three is with him in it. So, City's strongest everything is with him in it. And um, I, I just I think he he looks like he's getting even better. And considering the season he had last year, seems a bit ridiculous. He's 23. Mm. 23. Do you know last season alone, he scored the same amount of goals in, in just last season as he did in his entire Liverpool career? Mm-hmm. And that, I mean, that if that doesn't chart the trajectory he's on, I don't know what does. He's absolutely, yeah. We should, apparent reluctance. I mean, Dave's put yeah. a word in there. It is apparent reluctance. We don't know how reluctant that is. It's is it time to panic? I don't think well, so. I, I just, I mean, I, I, what I struggle with is that the noises he, his his side are making is that he wants to stay. He says he wants him to stay. Guardiola's but desperate it's, but for him still to stay. Not happening. And there's the, for some reason, why is the deal not being done? Mm. There should be movement on all fronts. Though. And I suppose the way he left Liverpool, um, you know, he kind of held out and said, "No, I I, I see my career." Progressing, but the, and it's not here. And but there, there, he was making a case of that. Well, I can go somewhere else, and I will win things, and I'll be a first team player and win things. And he's doing it at City. He's not. And, you yeah. look, and he's been made a better player. Yeah, yeah. but you, you, does he have an option to to better himself elsewhere at the moment? Maybe not better himself, but as, a, as a young man, what, uh, the, he's got no uh, special sort of local affinity to City. I mean, he's a London lad, isn't he? But he, uh, he, he, he turned us down when he was fourteen. Well, there you go. I'm not going to hold that against him. Like, like, no, 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 I'm not. No, I'm not. <laughs> you give me just, a look there, Eton. No, no I, I was just, I was just bringing it up in terms of the Jade and Sancho thing because yeah. Sterling was that when he was, you know, yeah. a similar kind of age. Well, my my point was that would you really be able to hold it against him if he wanted to go and live in Madrid? No, no, not at all. But no, but the question is, should I'm we selfish. be concerned? I'm selfish and I want him to stay. Yeah, I'm selfish and want him to stay. Should we be concerned? Maybe give it a few a bit longer. I'd uh, I've got faith in Pep telling him that it'll do him good to stay here a bit longer. What, what I'm kind of hoping is that the club are doing that thing where they wait for a bit of bad news. So if it's like, it. yeah, and announce that, or get to January like they did with De Bruyne, and like because they're not going to sign anyone in January, they go, we've made a new sign and it's Raheem Sterling, and then everyone's buzzing. Or they do that thing where they go like they did with Aguero, where he signed a contract four years ago and nobody clocked on that had happened, and then they go, oh yeah, by the way, he signed ages ago. It's nothing. Like, <laughs> even Aguero clocked on. Before, like, how many years? Well, how I don't da- know. One. Well, two. Well, how dark is his house? Does he know if he even signed <laughs> it? Did he know what he's reading? <laughs> I just want to spend some quality time with him. He looks like really, really forlorn and I, alone I, when I, everyone's I, on holiday, sending pics, and he's I, in an infinity pool, and he's Todd. I know. And just give him a I window. Wanna... Somebody put a window in his house. <laughs> put in. Somebody put a window in his house. He's walking around any, in the dark all the time. Any, ar- any architects, horror films. Any architects Worrying. listening, please do get in touch. We'll, uh, we'll 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 put you on to the right people. But for now, that's it for this week on the Blooming Podcast. Thank you very much to my two guests, Kieran Clark. Hey. And uh, what what was that noise? 
<laughs> it was an attempt to do a Kieran Murray impression, but it balls it up. Fair enough. And uh, Chris Higginbottom, how was your first week? Did you enjoy it? Uh, yeah, very enjoyable. Uh, flown by, to be honest. Thanks, thanks for having me. Excellent. Thanks for the Burnley badge stuff. I didn't realise what a, what a car it's, crash it was. It's a monstrosity. It's, uh, it is monst- It is a monstrosity. If you want some more Blue Moon podcast, we're uh, we're talking local players this week um, on the Patreon edition. It's an extra long bumper edition as well. We uh, we we kind of uh, got a bit in depth, and there's a lot of uh, lot of interview audio in there as well. So go and check that out. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. It's available for everybody who backs two dollars a month. Thank you very much for listening. I've been your host, David Mooney, and we'll see you next. That was the Blue Moon Podcast. Please support the show. Patreon.com forward slash Blue Moon Podcast. First up on Twitter is a user called Com. Contemplative. Contemplative, yeah. And it's hard to pronounce Jesus from Twitter. <laughs> First up from Twitter is a user called Contemplative. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is going to be one of them. Uh, the bonus show this week, folks, is Mooney trying to say to Contemplative. Contemplative. Uh, so I think the emphasis should be on uh, just Contemplative. It's sort of, contemplative. It just kind of fades away. Contemplative, contemplative though, isn't it? Contemplative. 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 Oh, so you're telling me how to say it now. All right, I guess. Oh, I can't say it. Can <laughs> That's I? What I mean. I'm practising. Contemplative. Contempl- contemplative. 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 But you don't say contemplating, do you? It's like when people say, oh, I got something from Amazon. It's like, it's Amazon. <laughs> go, oh, the Amazon rainforest. <laughs> it's the Amazon rainforest, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Amazon. You're a what? Amazon. No, you're not. Contemplative. 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 First up is a Twitter user called Contemplative Jesus. Um, he asks, would Gundogan... <laughs> oh, thanks for that. <laughs> <laughs> Even the click, though. You can't do that. We nailed it. <laughs>